Welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast with Sarah Mandershide and myself, Austin Myers. We are here to talk about all things running and life to elevate you not only in training, but also in your personal journey and relationships. We believe in the power of running and the ways in which we are stronger through our commitment. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to stay up to date on all future episodes and leave a review through the platform in which you are listening. Your support helps us to continue to build a community of like-minded people who strive to elevate their body, mind, and spirit through running. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Manderscheid and I'm here with Austin Myers. We have a special guest today and we're so excited to talk to him about all things running, life, and maybe some inside tracker conversations. Um, But before we get in, we're going to talk about our elevated moments of the week. And my elevated moment is definitely surviving the warm weather lately. Um, It's been a little bit warm, a little bit toasty in Boulder, and I'm still getting runs in. I had an awesome run this morning with my friend Amber, and we were able to run easy and keep the heart rate down. And I have a really, really, really tough time doing that when I think we started, it was about 75 degrees. We ended, it was close to 85. Um, So I have a really hard time doing that. And I still kept the heart rate down. So that was a really big win or elevated moment of the day for sure. And I also want to say I had a really awesome first workout. We talked about it last week on the podcast um, with my new team. um, And that was last Wednesday. And it was a really, really big highlight of the week. And I'm really excited um, to hit the rest of Chicago training pretty hard. There's 11 weeks left. So, um, so with that, we'll kick it off to Austin. Austin, hello. How are you? Um, would love to hear your elevated moment of the week as well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. And Sarah, it's been fun to see the beginning stages of your marathon prep. You are a little bit ahead of me um, in terms of when your goal races, Chicago versus uh, my race in New York City. And my elevated moment is actually kind of in that same realm. Uh, I had my first speed workout back today. It was it was just a small fartlek workout, but first speed workout back as I've been recovering from not only the Buffalo Marathon uh, about two months ago now, but also the ultra marathon I did about a month ago. Um, and it's funny the way that your body feels going into a speed workout versus the way that it feels coming out of it. Um, I feel exponentially better right now as we record this afternoon than I did this morning before my speed workout. So it's nice to kind of get those legs turning over again. And it was definitely an elevated moment for our, my week personally. Um, and then, you know, as you mentioned, we have a special guest, Jonathan Levitt on today from Inside Tracker, and we'll get to his introduction here in a moment. But whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect with Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, You'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete each workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 25, 20, excuse me, 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash elevate your running. That's insidetracker.com forward slash elevate your running. And as I just mentioned, 
we have a special guest, Jonathan Levitt, on. He is a podcast host um, for his own podcast, the For the Long Run podcast. He is also a senior sales manager and endurance project lead at Inside Tracker. And in his free time, he is a runner, cyclist, and all-around athlete. Jonathan, how are you today? And would you like to share an elevated moment with our audience? Yes, thank you for the intro there. Um, my elevated moment is uh, in line with Sarah's, uh, uh, but I, I trailed her by about two hours, so <laughs> it was a little warmer. I did, uh, I did 10 miles in 90 degrees with no music and totally solo, and uh, it was fun. Like I, did, I, I looked at it as a challenge, and like in the middle of it, I was like, how cool is it that we get to, we get, to get uncomfortable and struggle and then get better? and and learn from stuff like that every day and i don't know i i loved it yeah we talk a lot love that we talk a lot about on this podcast sorry sarah that you know it's about more than just getting your body out there and moving right carries over into every other part of our life um so that's great to hear that you were able to carry that mindset into your workout this morning for sure absolutely And what I love is like the get to mindset, Jonathan, like we can go out there and say like, oh gosh, it's so hot or this is so uncomfortable or this sucks, like whatever. We can have like a negative story that we're sharing or talking to ourselves about, but you flipped the script and turned it into something positive and something challenging. And you're probably mentally stronger for it now while you're sipping on electrolyte coffee. (laughs) <laughs> totally. And um, what I found to be fun is that so my coach often gives me a range of miles and today was eight to 10. And often I'll hit the low end when it's hot or uncomfortable or whatever. And I intentionally went out a little bit further so that I could come back in nine if I wanted to. But then I came back a longer way and hit 10. So um yeah, just choosing discomfort and and enjoying enjoying it. Yeah, finding the good in it, right? Um, and without music, so kudos. To I don't you. know why I did that, but <laughs> I I just couldn't settle on a on a playlist or a podcast, so I just didn't have one. Did you have the option to turn it on if you wanted to, or did you yeah. go totally naked? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is it so totally naked? A funny funny saying, like when you don't wear a watch or you don't wear a, mm-hmm. you don't listen to music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're just like only, in running, only, only in running <laughs> circles. Can you say you ran naked and it's like not obscene. Right. <laughs> right. And like 15 years ago, that's like all we did. Right. Right. Just naked <laughs> running of. all the time. All the time. At our writing journals. Write it down. Writing journals. I love that. So um, you're based in Boulder and now. um, So I want to start our conversation today the way that you start your podcast conversations. Jonathan has a a podcast for for the long run. (laughs) For the long run. It's a great podcast. Um, It's full of joy, happiness, awesome athletes, awesome conversations. Um, so that your first question is who is Jonathan Levitt? Every time I go on a podcast, I'm like hoping that they don't listen to mine so that they don't ask this question. <laughs> it's like, it's remarkably hard because you can answer and like, Oh, I'm a, this, I'm a, that, I'm a, that. And then that's fine. And then some people answer it like really in depth. They're like in here are my deepest secrets and blah, blah, blah. But I'll go somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm a guy who likes to be curious about things uh, and explore boundaries and limits and um, not satisfied with status quo. And I don't enjoy like stasis and, and not improving. And I like to surround myself with people who are the same way. And that's why I've worked at a startup my entire career. I can't imagine having a desk job where like I'm not judged on growth or, or <laughs> like improving every single day. Um, and I carry that into running 
And what I love about running is the ability to get better every single day or every week or regress a little bit and then take two steps forward. Uh, and the whole process involved in, um, in that, um, a more tangible answer is, uh, I live in Boulder. I like to run, ride, <laughs> do outdoor things, climb, uh, not climb. I don't know. I said that, uh, climb mountains, <laughs> hike, climb <laughs> mountains, definitely not climb boulders. Um, no. and, uh, play with this uh, cute dog that's sitting right here. Oh, Alfie. So sweet. I love that. I feel like you're, you're at least the parts that I know about you are all about pushing the boundaries and creating growth and doing new things. Um, when did you start running? I started running in 2013. Well, I started taking it seriously in 2013. Okay. I started running like one, one or two times a week after graduating college and like the classic, like, Oh, now what do I do with my time? And health and blah 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 um and it's funny I was talking to a guy named Danny Bent yesterday who is basically the person whose actions introduced me to the running community and I can like thank that first step and those first runs um before getting me into it so he started a, a run called one run for Boston and it was a cross-country yeah. relay um, I can't believe it. I've talked about this twice in two days now and it happened 10 years ago, nine years ago. Um, anyway, I was like casually running, um, and then the bombing happened and I ran my first mar half marathon the next day and, and found the November project community through this one run for Boston. Um, and yeah, just like really fell in off the deep end really fast. I signed up and ran my first marathon um, the next year. And yeah, been, that was 2013. Yeah. And it's just kind of grown from there. Yep. Now, so, Jonathan, you know, I, I feel like you were talking about not being comfortable with the status quo and trying to push your limits. Um, you know, I think that part of that has to be inherently in our, in our personality, but I know that for me personally, that certainly has developed more and more as I've continued running. It just, it's a place where we want to see if we can continue pushing our limits. Um, I'd be interested to hear, you know, what are some other things, some life lessons and takeaways that you have not only learned from running, but that you continue to learn, uh, throughout your, your continued running pursuits. I mean, the thing is, like, we can choose to be uncomfortable. Nobody made me go out and run 10 miles in 90-degree heat. I chose that. I came back, and now the next time I go to do it, I can. it's, like, more attainable, and it's more accessible. And maybe I can run 11 miles, or maybe I can run it 10 seconds faster. Um, you can take that, and then, like, if you're having a difficult meeting with your boss, or you have a challenge at work, or something that is uncomfortable. It's all about understanding that like you don't have to be comfortable and you don't have, things don't have to be easy. And it's usually from these things that are uncomfortable where growth happens. And so that's like, I really that's how that. I, yeah, that's how I try and frame it. You know, I, I've heard recently the, the concept of like, choose your hard passed around a lot. Um, and I think that's what we get the opportunity to do as runners is life's not easy no matter what, whether you run, whether you cycle or, or, you know, push yourself outside of just the normal day to day, life is still challenging. And the opportunity that we have to choose our hard and to embrace hard things can ultimately make us better outside of running, cycling, climbing, if that's what you do. Um, so I really love that perspective that you shared. Thank you. What is the hardest lesson that you've learned through running? What is the hardest re lesson that I've learned through running? Um, Peter Bromka said, the marathon doesn't owe you anything. I think it was <laughs> Peter Bromka. It sounds like something he would say. Um, for, for four years, I was so cocky about my talent, 
not my talent. I wasn't very talented. I was just dedicated. I was so confident about my fitness that I would line up for marathons and be like, yep, today I'm going to run sub three. And I'd just get smoked. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. in, in that pursuit, in one of those marathons, I didn't even break four while trying to break three. And yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, I did the work. Of course it's going to pay off. And um, it was such a like toxic approach to it because when you're, when you're planning for everything to go well, you don't have a plan for when it doesn't. I was talking with Addie Bracey yesterday. She's a, um, essentially a mental coach, um, related to sports, um, and I had, I, we were talking about how I was approaching a 50K a few years ago with visualization of myself running across the finish line uh, or running across the Golden Gate Bridge and into Chrissy Field and finishing a 50K. And she was like, that's great. Visualization is important, but that's like visualizing the end of a successful day. What about? And I didn't finish that race. I sprained my ankle and limped four and a half miles and DNF'd. Um, and I, I had no plan for when things got hard. And I had simply planned for success. <laughs> and so her point was, if you can plan for struggle and failure and like these harder points, um, when they come up, because it's a guarantee that they're going to come up, your mind is more like it's easier to navigate those lows when you're anticipating them. I went out for the run today. I was like, this isn't going to feel good. <laughs> and it felt good. <laughs> and, and I like kept thinking, I was like, at some point this is going to stop feeling good. Um, versus like, wow, this feels fantastic. Like I can't wait to keep going and have this feel awesome. And seven and a half miles in it stopped feeling good and it was like uncomfortable for a mile and then it was fine again but I had shifted the perspective of this isn't going to feel good but I'm going to feel great in an hour and a half and both of those statements were true and I also felt good in in the majority of the run while not anticipating it so I think the takeaway there is if you if you plan for both like good bad and everything in between you'll happily be you'll be happily surprised when when things go well and you'll be prepared when things don't go well absolutely that mental side and that visualization is huge um i recently was chatting with uh dr justin ross about mental strategies to get you through a race and having like that A, B, and C goal that a lot of the elevate athletes have, right? We talk about running that sub three marathon. If that's like, you know, your, your A goal for a marathon. And then it's also like, okay, if that doesn't work, let's shift down to the B goal. And then let's just have a C goal, which can be the gratitude goal. It can be when things go sideways, how are you going to handle it? Because I feel like we all go through things in training that test us, right? Test us mentally, physically, whether it's good or bad. Um, so how you show up in training is how you show up on race day, hands down. Do you have a favorite marathon story that you'd like to share? My favorite marathon story is, um, I mean, I guess it has to come from, well, it doesn't have to come from my best marathon. Last fall, I ran Boston, and I've had two. I've run Boston three times. I've had one fantastic day where I ran it six weeks after I ran the Shamrock Marathon. I ran those two races nine seconds apart and didn't look at my watch until mile 25 in Boston that year. That was 2015. I PR'd, um, and it was incredible. And the other two times I ran Boston, I came in like, overly confident in my ability and overcooked in in both of them. So in 2017, I felt awful starting at mile seven. So my favorite part of that was I finished. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, in 2021, um, 
I like overlifed a bit yeah. in the, like that summer. Um, and I, I thought I was going to run 257 on that day. And I, I ran 336. <laughs> and I remember leapfrogging a friend down Beacon Street. And she's a 252 marathoner. And we were way back from the 250s. And I'd never seen her in such rough shape. (laughs) And she'd never seen me in such rough shape. And it was just, it was remarkable. It started basically at Cleveland Circle. And I would be running for a bit and I'd pass her while walking. And then she would start running for a bit and then pass me while walking. And this continued for two and a half (laughs) miles till we got to the finish line. And like I said, she's a stout runner and has run a bunch of marathons. She used to compete on the BAA with BAA. Um, We finished like within 10 seconds of each other. And I just looked at her. I was like, that was some shit. (laughs) And she looked at me and had no words and was like pale, super pale. Um, her, name, her name is Melissa Cooney uh, for anyone who, who might happen to know her. But it was just this like beautiful perseverance that like we yeah. were not stopping. There was this unspoken like, I'm going to get you there. You're going to get me there. And we worked together and um, it was awful, but we did it. Um, it was a tough day for a lot of people (laughs) yeah and then and then I I was signed up to run to race CIM um, yeah and I finished and I was like absolutely not I am not running (laughs) racing that race and I ended up pacing my girlfriend Kate and like we had a hell of a time it was so much fun and it was just like such a refreshing approach to a marathon with no steaks and three beers. <laughs> Sometimes all the time it's, it, it should be about fun, right? Running for fun, training for fun, finding the joy and the fun in it and not being so serious all the time. I think there's a time and place for it. If you are, you know, maybe looking to run a big PR or your first sub three or whatever that looks like. Um, but I love that you kind of dialed things back a little bit or still found the joy on the course of, the Boston course last fall. And, you know, even if that is leapfrogging your friend, Melissa, and just saying like, well, this was, this was kind of gnarly, but we did it and creating that fun anyways. I've finished Boston twice with sore biceps and triceps from like, <laughs> like pumping up the crowd. And like, yeah, I, I finished this year and my, <laughs> I was walking down Newbury street post race and um, there were people out giving like massages with their guns and stuff. And they were like, my dude, come over here. Like your arms are all messed up. <laughs> Cause I was like, <laughs> I was like shuffling and, and, um, it looked like my arm was going to fall off. And, um, my like rotator cuff was so, so sore. And so the guy, instead of working on my legs or quads or whatever, just like, hit me hit my hit my shoulders (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) well I can attest to this I feel like it's been in your stories you're you're very um social on social media like you're you're uh you have a lot of great stories you're posting all the time and you post a lot of throwback to Boston your other Bostons that you've run um just throughout the year and you are one of the biggest fans of the Boston Marathon. True? I'm a huge fan. Yeah. 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 So you lived in Boston for quite a while. Were you born in Boston? Born and raised? Um, yes. Yep. Okay. I mean, and I, then you outside, moved, outside the city. Yeah. Yeah. And then you moved to Boulder last year. I moved to Boulder last year. I spent seven years in Alston, which is um, like a neighborhood in Boston and then, um, Brookline, which is on the marathon course. And then, yeah, moved to, moved to Boulder last April. That's awesome. Why Boulder? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like look, out, look outside. It's like Mecca. 
It's great. We have great run views for sure. Great people, great community, great trails, all the yeah. things. I mean, I had been coming here for a few years um, for work reasons, and it, it had always felt like a like home. And mm -hmm. I would always hate leaving. And I just vividly remember the first time that I flew back to Boulder from a work trip from Denver. So I flew to Western States last, or California for Western States last June. <clears throat> and I drove my own car there. And I remember driving my own car back from the airport to Boulder. And I was like, whoa, I just left. And now I'm coming back here. That's awesome. Yeah, it's home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite part about Boulder? Um, my favorite part, definitely the people. So everyone's here yeah. because they chose to be here. My, not knocking Boston, but a lot of people, at least in my circles, were living 10 miles from where they were born. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but everyone here for the most part, is from somewhere else. Um, mm -hmm. Austin, I don't know where you're from. Where Where are you from? Yeah, so I'm I'm actually in Kentucky right now. But similarly to you, I was you know I moved to Boulder and lived there for the last eight months of this past year. And you know, it's I agree. You you see a lot of people who have transplanted from different areas to there. Totally. So it's like everyone's gambling on themselves, and they've they're either there for work, they're there for fun. It's mostly fun related to work um and the question on the east coast is a lot of like oh what do you do for work what's your nine to five what's this here it's what's your five to nine and mm -hmm. like what do you do outside of work what makes you happy do you have a gravel bike like <laughs> these, these types <laughs> of questions that, let's go <laughs> yeah that are like how many skis do you have um, this kind of stuff where it's like about what you do for fun and why you're here versus like how much money do you make and what school did you go to? You know, yeah. Jonathan, you were, you were talking about, you know, that Boston marathon experience in 2021. And I feel like when we tow the line for a marathon and we have a specific time goal in mind, we are betting on ourselves. Like you just said, with, you know, moving to Boulder and, and maybe pursuing a business, you're betting on yourself. And, those are lessons that we certainly learned from running. Uh, but I would be interested because we kind of do share the fact that we did move to Boulder. You're still there. Um, and I've since left, but what is something that you learned about yourself in that experience of moving from a hometown to a new place? Um, community is everything, right? Like you can feel isolated anywhere or you can, build community anywhere you can do it in a place where everybody runs you can do it in a place where you know there's it's a little hard like it's very for me it was very easy to find community here there are a lot of people with similar interests there are a lot of I already knew a lot of people um, but I think it comes down to like creating that space for yourself and um, finding the people that share those interests and passions and then leaning into that but in terms of like what did I learn about moving um it's much easier to start fresh and go into a house with nothing <laughs> than, than, <laughs> than move <laughs> than move cross country <laughs> and 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 people at Costco will be very confused when you check out with five carts of stuff <laughs> So um, what I'm hearing you say is that you did not move with anything out here. Did you just, how did, um, how did this work? So I still have my place in Brook. <laughs> I still have my place in Brookline. Um, okay. <laughs> and when I, when I moved from Alston to Brookline, um, I got rid of most of my furniture and it was all like post-college stuff. So um, it didn't graduate with me. Let's put it yeah. that way. Um and yeah, I mean, I literally started fresh and just like checked out at Costco for like linens and all this stuff. And the, the lady was like, do you not have any stuff? <laughs> I was like, man, this is a store where you buy things like you don't need my backstory, but no, I don't. <laughs> Please don't judge me right now. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I have a home that's completely empty right now. Yeah. By the way, do you have any couches? <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I did something very similar when I moved out here. I moved with just, you know, a large car full of things and then bought new things as as um, as I needed. And it was really refreshing and fun to move to a new town, new state. I moved from Michigan to Colorado and just start fresh completely, right? Like new community, new routines, new whole foods, new sushi restaurants to find. <laughs> new sushi restaurants. Let's talk about sushi. Where's your favorite spot? I mean, I love Japango. That's yeah. like, that's a really great spot. Um, I mean, Hop is great too, but yeah. What I about feel yours? Like it's a bit of like a dueling, like a dueling um, situation there. They're right across the the, the right across Pearl the Street street. Mall from each other, and and you're either part of one family or you're part of the other. It's like a Hamlet <laughs> or a Shakespearean situation going on. <laughs> their their outdoor patios are literally like back to back, right? Like. <laughs> I mean, there ha- that has to be intentional, but um, yeah. I think Japango is better. Uh, I used to go to Japango a lot. One time I went there <laughs> while on a work trip and I ordered so much sushi that I had to split the check into like half of it will be expensed and I'll pay the other half. And I was like, <laughs> this is a, this is obscene for one person. Um, but yeah, their, their patio is fantastic. The other place that's great is Blowfish. It's the most expensive of all of them, but it's the okay. best fish I've ever had. Okay. So I've seen this on your stories. Where is it in Boulder? Um, It's also right near Pearl street, but they have oh. like a, <laughs> it's like a, you, you can only fit like six people in there. It's mostly okay. a takeaway place. Um, but it's fantastic. Okay. And really expensive. It's like a treat okay. yourself moment. Yeah, which we all should have those moments. Totally. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And you get sushi about once a week, right? Yes, we'll say once a week. Yeah. (laughs) Plus, minus. If I go to Whole Foods, it's a 50% chance that I'm coming out of it with with sushi. Um, (laughs) But but I get like takeout sushi probably once a week. Often on Sundays. And it's a little functional because... um, inside tracker tells me to eat fish three times a week and um particularly so i do a long run on saturday and then a medium long run on sunday and so i like to time sushi which is really great for recovery and um a lot of carbs a lot of calories um all that good protein and omegas um on sunday so after you know big weekend um Nice little recovery, uh, recovery meal. But sometimes I can't I... wait until Sunday and I get it on Saturday. <laughs> well, if your long runs on Saturday, I think that works too as a recovery meal. You right? don't have to you know, twist my arm. Yeah. I would even argue like maybe probably you know, both the night before a long run too. <laughs> so now like... we're going Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. Cool. Three times. Well, that's you just take it three times a week. Yeah. 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 There we go. You know, I Jonathan, love that. I'm happy you you clearly are a seasoned podcast host. You already hit the transitions that I wanted to make. Um, you Save know, my first you kind of rodeo. Us, <laughs> could you kind of give us a little bit of background on on you know what you do with Inside Tracker and and just the services that it offers, as well as how to optimize from the athlete's perspective? Yeah, I could give you a little background, or I could also give you a lot of background. Um, so, I, so I've been at Inside Tracker for coming up on eight years now and I've seen it grow from a company where like, so it's been, it's interesting. I, I've talked to probably a hundred people a week for eight years about it. And so I have a pretty interesting pulse on what people are interested in and how they're ready for it. And so when I started in 2014, people were not ready for it. Uh, it was a concept that was foreign to almost everyone besides elite and professional athletes who this is absolutely commonplace for 
But fast forward eight years, and now people are realizing that this tool that had previously only been available to professional elite athletes is actually something that everybody should use, whether or not you're an athlete. So our, our mission is to help everyone improve life and longevity through this personalized approach. So the background of what I do is I work with the endurance community or really anyone who's interested in learning more about getting started with Inside Tracker or using it. I work with teams and athletes and coaches and um, professional teams. So NFL, NHL, et cetera. Um, and it's really cool because people, I mean, in the last couple of years, people have really understood that their health matters and that you have a lot more agency over how you feel than you might've thought five years ago or even before the pandemic. And so people are ready for it and people are using it. And we've seen way more people, you know, buying it than ever before. And then the conversation around endurance and longevity is, has graduated to a place where it's not about being the best in the world. It's about being your best. And, you know, we work with the um, worlds are happening in world championships are happening in Eugene this week. And we've seen some really awesome performances. And it's really cool that like we have a bunch of athletes that are competing and Kier D'Amato is one in particular. And her story is incredible where working with her, we uncovered some clinical issues that have just been missed for years and she took the data to her doctor and it's resolved and she's running better than she's ever run um and she avoided like a major health concern because she was being proactive with her health she came to us for performance reasons and we said no 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 before you think about performance you must think about your health and so she took that, went to her doctor and was able to do that. Whereas we have other people that come to us and it's like a completely different story and it's just low iron and they fix that and they feel great. I have a friend here in Boulder and um, I guess her doctor wasn't being helpful or whatever and her ferritin was super low and we flagged that and now it's normal and she's having a great summer of running and, and feeling good again. Um, and so it's so cool that the spectrum of why people use inside tracker ranges from, I want to set American records to, I want to feel my best and the people are using the platform in the same way, but the, the, the route that they're taking is completely different. And that's really why we exist. And so I'm privileged to be able to work with all these people and make these connections and do all this cool stuff where basically the more people I meet and connect with, the more people we can impact and touch and have a transformative experience with. And so I'm just like, I feel so grateful that my job is to make, help people improve their health. Um, which is like, I mean, it's why I get up every single day to improve my own health and performance and help other people improve theirs and tell those stories. Absolutely. It's, I think, an, yeah, an awesome privilege to be able to help people feel good, run well, achieve goals, create confidence, um, all those things. Can you kind of talk about once um, an athlete goes through getting their blood drawn, they get the results back, kind of talk through um, what they see on Inside Tracker and what, um, you know, kind of information that they're given to help correct anything that they um, might need to do. Yeah. So the process is essentially you tell us about yourself and we tell you what to do based on science. So you'll tell us you run five days a week you do yoga once a week, you do strength training, you eat like this, you don't eat meat, you take these supplements, etc. And then the guidance is based on how to tweak that. So the output is basically do these three to five things for the next six months or three months or whatever. If your goal is 
to boost energy or improve sleep or, or whatnot. So there are about a dozen different goals that you can select within the platform. And then our output is basically pulling the six to eight nutrient hormone levels that are specific to that goal that are not yet optimal and giving guidance on how to modulate that. So the difference between a physician's test and our test is when you go to a doctor, you're being compared to essentially 95% of healthy people that exist. When you use Inside Tracker, we're shrinking that interval down to what is important to you. So we created optimal zones that are much more narrow than the normal ranges that a physician might use um, based on demographics, activity level, et cetera. So much so that if you change your activity level, your ranges change. And so, for example, for you as a female, if you changed from running from logging, you know, eight hours a week of running to zero hours a week of running, your iron needs would change and your optimal range would be different. So the output is basically your cheat sheet of how to feel better based on whatever it is that you want your goal, whatever goal you want to achieve, improved health, better sleep, better energy, all the above, et cetera. Yeah. And don't we all want to feel better? I feel like life can be stressful. It can be really busy. Um, especially as athletes, we have training, we have a lot of other things that we get to do strength training, maybe yoga, some gravel bike sesh in, uh, in Boulder, something like that. But, um, you know, living our best lives, having fun, making connections and, you know, fueling our bodies with the right things to be able to do all those things and feel really good and happy. Totally. That's really what it's all about. And <clears throat> what's cool is that people have stopped accepting status quo, like I was talking about initially. And when you get a 65 year old who's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not dead yet. Or an 80 year old who's like, I've got plenty more years ahead. Um, and I want to feel better as I get older or a 25 year old who feels the same way. It doesn't really matter what, what your age is again, back to Kira and Sarah Hall with what they were saying yesterday after the marathon that I think it was Sarah who was saying, um, age is just a number. It's not your destiny. I forget what she was saying, but whatever it is, was, was fantastic. Um, and giving guidance that like you can actually feel better as you get older, um, instead of just accepting that you're going to, you know, it's going to regress. Um, Sarah said dreams don't have an expiration date. She's what, 30, late thirties and running. Yeah. 38 and running better than she's ever run. Kira, I think she's 37, same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. putting up American records. And so we're here to say hell yeah to that. And, and (laughs) you can be 57, 87, whatever. And, and still, reasonably expect that you can actually improve. Yeah. It's another tool in the toolbox, right? We talk all about, you know, training, strength training, mental strength, nutrition, hydration, making sure you, you know, you set yourself up for success with the right shoes, um, all the things, but inside tracker and really getting to know an in-depth look on how you are performing as an athlete on the inside and what you can do to kind of change things up, move the needle, um, to show up as your strongest, happiest self, um, on race day, or just in life. doesn't have to be a race. It could just be life. Um, is one more tool in the toolbox. So I love it. I've used it before. I'm using it for the Chicago marathon, which is really exciting. I should have my test, I think sometime next week, which is great timing. So if there is anything I need to adjust and pivot, I have enough time to do that before um, towing the line on October 9th. What are the changes you've made? Um, well, I haven't taken the test yet. Isn't it a, a follow-up? Or this oh, is the, it is. the next? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I took the first test in, it was last summer, leading into Boston, or maybe I was training for about a month. Um very so low in iron. You were low super in ferritin. tired, right? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> can't really tell, but yeah, I mean, I'm usually pretty <laughs> tired. Um, you hide yeah, it well. Just, uh, yeah, I hide it well. A lot of caffeine. Um, but really, I, what I loved about Inside Tracker was it showed me exactly what types of foods that I should be eating to help with my deficiencies and incorporating them into my diet. So there was a lot of salmon, a lot of fish, um, eating more beans and like green leafy greens, um, and really leaning into that side of things. I would say my diet's probably the first thing to go. And it's not that I eat crappy if I'm really busy, but I just lean into like the easy things and I just eat the exact same thing every single day. So making a conscious effort to like really lean into what inside trackers telling me or suggesting that I should eat and, you know, making time for it. Awesome. Yeah. You know, Jonathan, from, from the outsider's perspective, I have yet to use inside tracker, but it really sounds like they're debunking some important myths. The first one that I was kind of picking up on is, you know, there doesn't have to be such a divide between performance and health. And I think that that's something that a lot of people, professional athletes included, buy into, which is if I'm going to be at the very peak of my performance, I am not going to be at the peak of health. But what it sounds like you're saying and the, the anecdotes that you were sharing is that there can be both. And it's actually crucial that we get your health in check if you're going to perform as you continue to age. Totally. So the secret to getting better as an athlete is to not get injured and to stay healthy and happy and not get injured <laughs> for the second time. And right. <laughs> so the secret to doing that is giving your body what it needs. Well, how do you know how to give your body what it needs? Well, you get an objective assessment on what your body needs. Intuitively, your body can tell you things. If you are tired, you might crave steak or meat or or whatever that's your body telling you you need iron but you could also you know be tired because you have too much iron um so again the 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 body is pretty intuitive however the best way to understand like what to do to stay healthy is to get an objective look and then have somebody with some sort of credibility give guidance on like what to do with that information and so that's that's the role that that we're looking to play and and help foster this uh approach of like feeling good for the long run see what i did there um <laughs> and and really understand um how how best to improve uh consistently um so that you can string those seasons together and and you know like everything you've said goes directly to the true cure of it all, which is whole food, real food, and, and, you know, optimizing our diet. And I think that's the other myth that I would say that you all are debunking is we don't have to push pills or supplements. We can actually work with what the world gives us and we can use that to optimize our performance as well and our health. For sure. And then, you know, we, we do take a food first approach um, and supplement when necessary. So it's, you know, there are so many people that spend so much money on supplements mm -hmm. and a lot of it is just expensive urine and, uh, at, at best and at worst it's toxic. Um, so, you know, some of the stuff you literally do just pee out and some of the other stuff you don't. Um, so we're, we're here to help with that too. Yeah. Well, and we're really grateful for the, the opportunity to partner with inside tracker um, it's been a few weeks now and, and we see the benefit and it really, it works hand in hand with the message that we're trying to spread as a podcast and as people who just engage in the sport and love it every single day. Jonathan, I would love to hear where our audience can connect with you and uh, maybe listen to your podcast as well. Sure. Appreciate it. Um, and thanks for having me on. Um, I'm on Instagram at JW Levitt. It's mostly photos of running and dogs and food. Um, and same thing on Twitter, where it's mostly commentary on running, dogs, food, and uh, <laughs> my, my slight bias against crypto. Stay true to yourself. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And the podcast <laughs> is, is for the long run, uh, available on uh, all um, 
all podcast platforms. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we love to I hear. I love it. You yeah, you have a recent. Me. Go ahead, Sarah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, there's a recent tweet from Jonathan that was flashing, like, that I was thinking about as he was saying. Um, so f- definitely follow him on Twitter. Kind of take a, a quick look back on what he's tweeted over the last week, and you'll find it really enjoyable and funny, entertaining. Absolutely. My, I know my, you're problem, my problem with crypto is if it's so confusing <laughs> to so many smart people, how is it ever going to become mainstream? And so I went back <laughs> and forth with, with someone who was like, well, the internet was not you know straightforward at first, and people didn't understand the concept. But I, but I was like, okay, but when it when it worked – it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I was thinking about a tweet that a uh, crypto tweet that you tweeted and you brought up crypto. So you know where I'm going with this for this reason or for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Mark Cuban. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, it was so great to have you on. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for talking about Inside Tracker and for um, the shots of of Alfie too. They're just being so cute and cuddly and all the things. Um, we really, really appreciate you and your time. And Inside Tracker is great. So for anyone who's looking to elevate their running, take it to the next level. Inside Tracker is a great way to do that. Feel free to reach out if you have any other questions. Austin, where can our audience find you? Yeah, you can find and connect with me on Instagram at Austin Myers Fitness. And Sarah, where can they connect with Elevate Your Running and your personal social? Yeah, I'm at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H Runs Happy, Instagram, Twitter, and Elevate Your Running. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. This was a great conversation. I hope it made you laugh, smile, and uh, think about using Inside Tracker for your next training cycle. Um, whether that's in running or in life. So thank you, everyone. Have a great week.